Okay, we're all good. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. You're listening to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Delaney and this is episode 66. Get as close to the sale as you possibly can. Um, we're going to explain exactly what we mean by that in the context of lead gen throughout the course of this podcast. But before we do, Simon, um, what's the point of this podcast? I mean, this specific podcast, not like in a general sense. But what's the point of this, this podcast? <laughs> well, what, what's what the point of life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of today, today's podcast? What are we talking about? Um, I was told a long time ago when I first probably starting, I can't even remember who it was by, but I respected them highly. It wasn't someone that I worked with, I don't think. It was someone externally who said to me, um, in lead generation, always get as close to the sale as you possibly can. Um, and that stuck with me I, ever since. And I've obviously been doing lead generation and stuff you know, around it, being a publisher and a buyer and a brand and now software. Um, and most of the success that I see in lead generation specifically, um, as in before it goes into the sales function, is where the lead generator um, is getting as close to the sale as they possibly can and where the lead buyer um, is buying leads that are you know, easy to convert. Um, yeah. So we'll talk through this from in two perspectives, from the perspective of the lead buyer and or from the also from the lead perspective and we'll be relatively um agnostic in what we're pushing forward we're going to talk about the pros and cons of each idea but um before we do that i think it's worth kind of discussing the fact that i mean we've used this phrase before um not all leads are created equal um you know there's a spectrum of intent and before we go into sort of saying as close to the sale we need to sort of establish what we mean by that like different types of leads and where in the spectrum, you know, certain leads are. Um, so what do we mean by that? Okay. So if we, let's just quickly touch on the spectrum. So we won't cover everything, but we'll just, you know, the, the most well-known stuff. So effectively you have a marketing qualified lead. So this could be an email address, could be a telephone number as well, but it's a person who isn't necessarily expecting to be contacted about a sale. What they're expecting is information or value or a solution to their problem or more information before they start making a decision these are leads that you would typically nurture but if you think about it what's actually happening is when someone is a marketing qualified lead you're still trying to get them as close to the sale as you possibly can you know you're trying to nurture them to that point then you have um purchasing intent leads so these could be leads that filled a form in come into a sales function but then the salesperson has to ask them a 20-minute questionnaire of information um, before they can get them like pushed to the point of a conversion so for example um, you know anyone that's bought a house anyone that's taken out insurance and you filled a form in energy mobile a lot of the time broadband you go in you know you put some base details in some like generic information about your gender and whatever else and then you have like a 20 30 minute conversation about all the other details and then there's a third type which is 
all that information that you're getting asked as part of the sales function, imagine that happens in the lead generation process. So your form fill becomes the form that normally like would be a 10, 20 minute call with a salesperson. And then you submit at that point and the salesperson basically just has to get the sale done because they have all the information. They're just clarifying it. So that's the sort of spectrum that we're potentially talking about. Um, for leads getting as close to the sale as you possibly can. And if we start looking at that, as in the leads that are closest, it's the, the last point that is almost essentially as close as you can possibly be. Like they come through and they're just they're just ready to be solved to. Um, so with that in mind, let's start from the perspective of the buyers. Um, if they're buying leads that are as close to the sale as possible, what are the benefits of that? I guess what are the cons of that too. Can you want to do it? Do both. Um... So if you're buying leads that are as close to the sales possible, um, I mean, what what it actually does is just massively reduce your sales operating costs. So let's say that they're we're talking about call centers, right? So the leads are going to go into a sales team because they're relatively high ticket items. Um, you know, person wants to speak to someone, have that sort of personal touch and feel they're making the right decision. Um, if you've got 20 people sat in a room of a call center receiving leads in and each one's getting X amount of money, um, you're just reducing that cost massively because either you don't need as many people, the time they spend on the phone is massively reduced. They can actually take more leads in, convert more per hour. Um, so it's, it's all to do with reducing your overheads from a sales perspective. Uh, the cons, I suppose, are um, you have a reduced sales force. I don't know if that's particularly a con. Um, I, I just mean a con, but I mean, there must be a reason why people don't do it. So let's, you know, like, is it just that the initial cost seems higher? Yeah, I think... I think it's the fear that if you're buying leads externally from a lead generator and you're a lead buyer, I wonder if being the lead buyer, you feel a loss of control potentially over the lead if most of the work is being done in advance and you're just converting the lead. Um, could be one of them. The other is, you know, ensuring that all the information you've got is correct do you want to be more in control of that process rather than uh, an external party sending you those leads um this is like a, a sort of trust thing because you know a lot of the companies that do these sort of things have online forms that people can switch on anyway um or get as close to the sale as possible um whereas with external lead generators they very rarely do it so how do we work with lead generators then to, to flip it around? Um, well, the closer you get to the sale, the more money there is. Um, because the, for exactly the same reason that it benefits the lead buyer is there's reduced sales operating costs. So you can use that money to put towards the lead generation function. So um, the CPL will be higher. You will earn more money. The con is that you're not going to get as many leads um, because obviously you're is it harder as well. Um, it's potentially harder. I mean, in a sense. So let's imagine you you've got a form fill with like six questions on it, and then you're going to create a form fill with twenty questions on it. Each step of 
a question you've got a potential drop-off and you know people measure this and look at drop-off percentages and whatever else but it's about gaining the intent of the user um right from the off and this is why if you're going to go like heavy intent lead gen let's call it that where you're asking you know getting as close to the sales possible the top of the funnel marketing is incredibly important um more important than potentially anything else because you've got to be making sure that you're hitting your ideal customer profiles hitting them with a value proposition they potentially can't resist ensuring that they're going to go through this process and that they want to go through this process so yeah you have less leads um but a higher cpl i feel like although we're, we're trying to look at this neutrally we're kind of leaning towards i mean the title itself leads towards that you know you should go for these kind of leads but there must be a sort of an issue if it, or a disconnect i guess between marketing and sales that can over ride this or make this not work as well as perhaps i'm trying to get i'm trying to give the opposite side or like trying to sort of talk through it and not be too sort of biased in how we're presenting this but if marketing sales aren't working together in the way that they should is that not an issue does that not stop this working as well yeah i mean i think if your sales and marketing team aren't working well together and by marketing team we mean external lead generator um yeah it probably won't work because you're just going to be misaligned on expectations. Um, sales team will have like a mistrust of the leads that are coming in. You've got to remember as well, a lot of lead generators are put under pressure of like, we want more leads. We want more leads. Mm. So if you're going after less leads, but with huge intent and someone's forcing you constantly to get more leads, um, it can be quite difficult. So they need to work incredibly closely together um, and understand exactly what the expectations are i mean the way i'd run it is actually i'd give the user a choice so when they come into a site you could ask some base information like you would do with normal lead generation and then ask the user do you want a phone call now or do you want to complete x y and z online and that way it's like pushing their intent one way or the other anyway and the sales team is still getting what they would have got and uh if not they're just getting much higher intent leads but you rarely see anyone do this and there's also there's another issue in it i i've experienced this is the so a lot of buyers depending on how big the company is they can't necessarily cope with more information being sent them because the crm or the dialer or whatever that they use to receive leads isn't aligned to the information that could be inputted from like an API externally and they need a salesperson to be inputting it. So that's another thing, you know, you'd have to make sure that all the technology was aligned. Um, because yeah, I, for example, um, yeah, we, we've done it in the past when we used to generate leads and we'd be like, we can ask them all this additional information and get it. And they, you know, the client would be like, yeah, but we can't handle it. You coming in, it needs to be the person at the yeah. phone call entering it. And we'd be like, okay, but it just, you know, it makes no sense. So there's all these like alignment points around marketing operations, marketing and sales being aligned, um, and the user just getting the experience that's best for them as well. And I think as well, I mean, you've sort of answered my question there, but when you think about, it's how you measure success, I guess, like it's the thing about the metrics too that you're using to measure success. Like if, from a marketing perspective, if, you're only really caring about the leads because that's your job done. 
like you're not going to be that bothered about making an effort to make the leads any better. However, if you're measuring success in terms of sales, then you will be doing. I guess it. This is kind of what it comes back to. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, I genuinely think you want to be as close to the sale as you can possibly get within all the parameters that exist. And whether that's you know the client can't accept additional information via an API or whatever purely because that's really what great lead generation is about is like proving the intent of this individual now, i'm not talking about marketing qualified leads and you know um stuff that you can't really influence but if you're going after a purchasing intent lead and you want to get the highest cpl and do some great marketing to people that fit like the ideal customer profile um, do some great messaging positioning and build a lead generation brand if you're a, a lead generation company um, I'd think you'd really, really set yourselves apart from absolutely everybody else if you push these leads to the client at the point where it's literally like a conversion like that. And it's not, I don't think every lead needs to be like that because they won't. I'd give the user an option. Um, but it's not difficult. This is just like additional information, right? Like you can get it from a client just by ringing them up. So if you're, I don't know, let's say you're doing life insurance and um, everyone that does life insurance lead gen asks the same series of questions, right? Every single form is virtually exactly the same. It's just the layout of it that's different. But let's say they ask, you know, how much do you want to insure and, you know, over what tenure and, you know, are you a smoke or whatever else? When that lead submitted, that person um, then gets 20, 30 other questions. If I'm a lead generator, I just listen to those 20, 30 other questions. I might even cherry pick out of them ones that I think that could be like, we could really use, especially mm. at the beginning of the form where um, you're moving an individual that isn't necessarily putting in personal information, but is almost going through like a survey of what like, you know, segment of uh, an audience they fit into. Um, I think that's a great way to, for a lead generator to get more aligned with the, uh, the sales process. But obviously the buyer has to buy into this as well. Um, I'd be interested to find out what buyers think of that actually what you know whether they would want that i can't i can't see why not but maybe there's a reason we'll ask we'll ask one last time around yeah. um okay so this point i would normally try and sort of summarize what we've what we've done um we've talked through in the podcast um but today i'm gonna actually flip it and like like you do this simon <laughs> people listen to this um, what is the take-home message you want to give them? You know, like the end of the podcast, like what, if they have to remember sort of one, two things that you think, right, I'm going to go away. This bit of advice is a bit of value. What would you say? Okay, so if you're going to drive leads to as close to a sale as they can possibly get as part of the lead generation process, I'd say three points. Number one, your top of funnel marketing the ads need to be like really on point and the targeting to uh, the audience needs to be really on point because you've got to get people that have like an interest in this product or service or solution that's being offered. Um, number two would be you have to give the users the choice. So what I'd have is normal form at the end of it, rather than like the thank you page, I'd have two buttons and it'd say, something like complete the rest of the form online or speak to a salesperson or speak to, you know, 
in a system that's something and then the user just chooses and the lead gets submitted at that point and that is just putting the uh, incentive entirely in their hands whether they carry out that process and the third is um it's incredibly important as we touched on that sales and marketing are really aligned on this and the expectations are set um you know when sales get them they need to be like crystal clear about like the conversion rates of each type of lead what works better what doesn't work feedback loops need to be put in place um so that everyone can measure exactly what impact this has because otherwise it'll just kill it dead and everyone would just go back to like the normal way of doing it nice one nicely done that was very concise and better than i i would have come up with for sure um nice one simon that's episode 66 get as close to the sale as you possibly can thanks for listening to the b2c lead generation podcast be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world